1: The game, 103.7 Lafayette 1041, Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We um, also can be seen simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111 on this glorious Tuesday morning. And it's glorious because the Astros got a victory last night. There were some it was a strange game. I was kind of uneasy the whole game. Cause if you look at Luis Garcia's statistical statistical pitching line, it wasn't bad. But if you watch the game, man, he got hit harder than I expected him to get hit. Um now Garcia's he's still relatively young. Uh, I'm hoping he gets better against left-handers as time goes on. But he's one of these guys who right-handed hitters hit very uh, low average against him. So a lot of teams will load up with left-handers, which is probably why uh, Mike Trout, A little bit of a – got hit by a pitch. They probably weren't all that upset that he couldn't play. And Anthony Rendon uh, had some sort of stomach ailment and he didn't play. They probably weren't all that upset about it. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Because typically you would want to hit a bunch of left-handed – Hitters against Garcia because left handers have way more. Now, I'm not, you know, obviously some right hand. Max, he couldn't get Max Stasi out. Like, Max Stasi couldn't, he hit in the forehold. It couldn't get him out. Oh, they got him out. He hit the ball to the fence, and Jose Siri had to dive up on the fence and, you know, 400 feet away and make this circus catch to get him out. Max Stassi. Unbelievable. He's um He had, what, 13, 14 homers last year, but, man, he had a home run to right field. He's hitting shots 400 feet to the wall and left center. I mean, Max Stassi. We're not talking about, like, Salvador Perez here. We're talking about Max Stassi. Couldn't get him out. Unbelievable. But um, I don't know. I keep asking my daughter Riley this, and she gets annoyed when I ask her. But I had to con- continue to ask the question, what do big dogs do? What do they do? The answer to that question is hunt. And El Pedro Grande hunted twice last night. And did he hunt? I mean, he this cat went deep into the woods. His first one, second deck on a three-one pitch down and in. The other pitch was a little up, and he hits it towards the back of the bullpen. Uh, I think the Astros missed him. Now, um, something tells me the Astros might have won one more game. Maybe they could have got the sweep. I don't know that they don't want any more games in Seattle because they got their face crushed, but I think they might have gotten the little two-game sweep and had a 6-3 and three road trip had El Perro Grande not been sick all week. Uh, it just makes their lineup so much more powerful, especially with certain guys like Icky still really struggling bad. Uh, this is his second straight year getting off to a really poor start, but I mean, that's that's baseball. That happens, but. Um, as long, I don't know if he'll come out of it as good as he did last year because his last, whatever, 120 games or whatever last year, were, it he was incredible. I mean, he was probably the best in baseball over the last 120 games of the season. Um, he just got off to such an awful start, but, um, and so I, I'm, I'm feel like he'll 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 come out of it. But it's uh, but no, El Perro Grande. He, uh, he he he's he's fun to watch. He is uh, he he can really hit. And again, he you know he has his moments where he goes into slumps like everyone. But he uh, that 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 was really nice. Um, I was a little surprised last night that they pitched Narris with a five-run lead, just because Presley's on the DL. Neris is probably the most likely closer candidate. And I don't know that, you know, let, let's let say they have safe situations three times in the next five or six games. I don't know that it's going to be the same pitcher to get all three. It might have to do with matchups or how many innings that pitcher pitched the day before. But <coughs> Neris... Has the most closer experience, let's put it that way, and so I would think that he would be the first choice. Since you know, I know you want to nail down a win It's your home opener and all that, but man, it's man. I would think Abreu could could hold a five-run lead. Save Nerys for tomorrow in case the game is closer. Man, if if Abreu can't. Hold a five run lead now again, if this was in the middle of the summer, it's one thing, but when you're still trying not to throw pitchers back to back as you know you're trying to as much as you can avoid that, you do it. I don't know. I just thought that was a strange decision. Now, you know, obviously, if it was a safe situation, that's fine. And I don't, I don't. Rem- I mean, he threw a few more pitches, and I would want him to throw. It wasn't like he had an extra long inning. He did hit a batter, but he got the next three guys out. None of them were quick outs; they're all like deep into the count outs, which is not good. But no, I don't know. I just thought that was a little bit strange last night. I would have uh, just pitched Abreu with a five-run lead. I mean, Abreu's his last outing in Seattle was bad, but. His, you know, the rest of the time he's done fine, and I mean, got to be able to, got to be able to save any of your relief pitchers should be able to protect a five-run lead in one inning. So, um, that that was that was interesting. Obviously, we discussed the, uh, the great catch that Siri made, and Altuve got banged up at the end. Um, hamstring day-to-day. I'm not, as long as it's day-to-day, I'm not even worried about that because the truth of the matter is Jose Altuve can't even get on base right now. He looks terrible at the plate. He has no, he just looks, he has that lost look. And hopefully he'll come out of it. So uh, Yuli's not hitting. Icky's not hitting. El Perro hasn't even played over half the games. Uh, It seems like anyway. Uh, he missed a week. Of course, they had two off days in that week, so it's not as many games as it sounds like when you say he missed a week. But um, so Yuli's not hitting. Now, Tuve's not hitting. Candy's not hitting, although he got an RBI bunt last night, which was great to see. So, you know, th- overall, the team isn't really hitting. Now, Alex had a great first three or four days, and he was 0 for 12 since then. He finally did something last night because he broke an 0-for-12 streak, which was good to see. So it's um, Jeremy Pena continues to look good. So overall, pretty good report for the Astros. Tonight, obviously, is a a game night. Cajun baseball plays at LSU. We'll talk about that matchup um, later in the show. And again, we've got open phone lines the whole first hour and for some of the second hour. We'll be doing our weekly interview with uh, with Bobby Nova and talking about where softball is. You know, that was kind of a, a non-game yesterday, but today they play at Illinois, and Illinois is in contention anyway uh, for the Big Ten title. So that would be a nice win if they could get it. Indiana is scheduled for tomorrow, and then they get a day off, and then they go to... Boone, North Carolina, to play App State. So we'll see how the, you know how, how this road trip treats them. And then we'll see if they get any fatigue on the other end of this road trip. Because it's uh, obviously this is kind of a long one. So we'll see how all that plays out. And, of course, the road trip started out really well with the sweep. Um, well, the results, as we said, t- turn out really well with the sweep in Mobile. And we'll see if they can continue to smooth out the rough edges as the season Goes on. We also we're gonna in the next couple segments gonna discuss some NFL draft situations, and I mentioned two things yesterday. One, there was a player that we haven't talked about that I'm just throwing out there that I actually did I actually did see someone in the latest mock draft I saw picked it, predict the Saints would pick this guy, and there's some question marks about him, and we'll discuss that, and also discuss you know kind of put it, show some examples as to why Um, I'm worried about teams trading up ahead of the Saints. And I'm worried about, and, and the necessity that the Saints in, you know, in a lot of people's minds, why some people feel, or a lot of people feel that it's a necessity that the Saints pick a wide receiver. It's just, a lot of it is just circumstantial. A lot of it is what's going on in the NFL right now. That's just different than five years ago and 10 years ago. So we'll, uh, we'll discuss those scenarios. Let's go ahead and do this. We will take a timeout. Also want to talk some NBA, some interesting stuff going on in the NBA playoffs And there's this team that we discussed yesterday that just can't seem to get out of its own way. It's just unbelievable to me, unbelievable. Uh, If I was a fan of this team, it would be pretty much frustration overload. But anyway, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, get on to all those subjects. On the game, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most.
1: Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really to his core that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is.
0: That is correct. Now back to more footnotes on the game. One oh three seven Lafayette and one oh four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome. Back to footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette. 104-1 One Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Wanna remind you about an Astro Weekend getaway. 103 set the game. 1037 Lafayette. 104-1 One Lake Charles. Want to get put you in position for to win a great Astro Weekend getaway against the Texas Rangers, May the 21st. Well, you could win four tickets, a ballpark tour, hotel accommodations on the Saturday evening, all part of this great Astro giveaway brought to you by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. So, um, Great prize there, and we'll be telling you about others as we always do at, as it, it goes on. All right, I want to get what we'll, – we'll talk about the UL, a little, some factors in the UL-LSU baseball game tonight, 6.30, which could be heard right here on the game, 103-7, Lafayette. And by the way, the Astros are on 9, Sister Station, 98.5 FM. Game two of that series against the Angels. Um. We'll see how, how that series plays out. It does not sound like Mike Trout's going to play again tonight. May not even play tomorrow. Got hit by a pitch on Sunday. And so we'll see. It um, uh, doesn't sound like Altuve will play. So maybe Diaz can play some second base or we'll see how, 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 how they do that. Not, not a huge deal as long as it's just a day-to-day situation. But some factors in the draft. There was a player, you know, we, we've talked some. What if I brought up, i have obsessed about a lot of things with this draft. By the way, I haven't celebrated. Today's nine. Nine days. First time in the history of the world that we've been single-digit days away from the 2022 NFL draft.
2: Are you, know, you counting
1: it down the days? Yes,
2: now? I'm counting the down the days because you're counting down the days, so I'm trying to keep in sync with you so that we can get to it faster and faster. Nine. And people are even asking now if there's odds
3: and if you will make it till then.
1: Oh, I, I just don't know how. I, I, I right can't now, take plus, any more bad news, plus or minus eight yeah. right now, but yeah. not oh, sure man. if it's going to
3: change in a little while.
1: Just, that I'm going to be again. I'm going to be. You know, obviously, when when the Astros make the play, make the. Um, Get on a postseason run. The, the nerves and the playoffs are—it's at a really high rate, and, and uh, I don't know that it's quite that, but it's pretty close. I mean, it, it's going to be—it's going to be just really just like watching a game. You know, that night is going to be, and, and you could make the argument that that night is even more important than a watching an individual Saints game because it's going to affect many games. Like, who you pick here botching this draft or doing really well in this draft impacts many games for years to come. So, I mean, just look at the importance of the the incredible draft they had in 2017 and just look at how many games were won because of the great players they picked in that draft. So, I mean, it it is – some people are not big draft people. Like, you know, in my family, um, I have my wife and, and daughter Cassie are big Bronco fans, but they don't care anything about the draft. To me, that's just short sighted. I try to tell them that they don't listen. That's short sighted. Like, they're like, just draft, tell me when the season starts, and, and that I'll take seriously. But, but, but no, it's this is important, like, very important who you draft. And, um, Now, in their situation, I understand, like a Bronco fan, the draft doesn't seem that big because they already kind of made their selection by trading picks to get Russell Wilson. I get that. And the Saints will kind of be in that situation next year, perhaps. Perhaps. We'll see what happens with Casper the quitter if he signs up with another team and the Saints could be getting some picks, which would be, you know, good. I mean, if if your coach is going to quit on you, the best thing about it is you get some picks for it. That 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 that'll that that that'll ease the pain a little bit for sure. But one of the positions, whether like if there is a run on wide receivers bigger than most people are projecting, or as I obsessed about last week, that some of these teams that potentially need receivers like a Chiefs that have multiple picks, like a Packers that have multiple picks, or who knows? I mean, there are other teams that this is supposedly a special receiving group. The Patriots, not really a trade-up team, more of a trade-down team, but the Patriots on paper need some wide receivers. You know, I'm shocked that more people don't think the Steelers need the receiver. Deontay Johnson drops a lot of passes. Like, Claypool's good, but it's not like this guy's super elite. Like you're gonna have this young quarterback, seem like they could use a receiver too. A lot of people think they're gonna pick in the trenches. Well, a lot of people think they're gonna pick quarterback. I don't think they're gonna. But um, you know, a lot of people think wide receiver. I mean, uh, defensive lineman or an offensive lineman. Uh, I don't see why wide receivers not in play for the Steelers because I don't think their wide receiving cores is as good as some people do. But. Um, And they have a good tight end already who's young. So it seemed like they could use it. But anyway, whoever it is, uh, if there is a run, whether before the Saints pick or if someone trades up to there, who who are the Saints going to pick at that point? Like, there are a lot of good receivers, but I don't want them to pick a guy they have graded at the top of the second round at 16 or 19. So what is the Saints' fallback position? It always seems to be defensive line. And so some people have talked about them picking Jordan Davis, although I don't really think Jordan Davis is going to be there. I think he's such a special athlete, potentially, such a unique skill set because he's so mammoth and he can move at that size. I will be surprised if somebody, whether it's the Texans or the Ravens, or even the Eagles. I would be a little surprised that either somebody doesn't trade up for him or doesn't pick him, but it's possible. It's certainly possible he'll be there when the Saints pick. So if the Saints select Jordan Davis, I will not be shocked. But the other guy from Georgia is Devontae Wyatt, the other defensive tackle for Georgia. He's not as big as Jordan Davis. He goes about little 307, or somewhere where just north of 300. The issue with him is he's had some domestic violence issues, uh, was cleared of it, but there are reports coming out now that, you know, there's one report where some unnamed GM says that he he they've totally taken him off his board, that his character issues... Are so high that they've totally taken him off their board. Man, that that's a pretty strong statement. In other words, you wouldn't pick this cat in the third round. I, I, that's hard for me to believe. I don't really believe that, unless they just really are. You know, it it's real. Like who was that the offensive lineman from Georgia that the Titans drafted? They got nothing out of him. The Dolphins tried. They had to cut him. And he was a first-round pick. And in like a little over a year, he was out of the league because of quote-unquote character issues. And so it's real. It's certainly possible. But um, just I was going to bring up Wyatt, and then when you start looking into him, you start seeing these reports that some people think that he's going to drop and could drop a lot. So I wouldn't think knowing the Saints, unless they've got very different intel, than some of these negative reports that are out there, I wouldn't think that, that the Saints don't seem the one who are gonna take a real big chance on the character side of things uh after what they went through in um in 14 and 15. So um we'll see. I I don't again, I don't know enough about the situation. I just know that he had some charges and they were dropped. And I don't know how many other instances there were maybe that weren't reported that perhaps teams have heard about from talking to ex-coaches or whomever. So Wyatt is just a guy to kind of keep an eye on. He's probably not going to be picked, especially now, if there's any truth to these rumors, uh, as high as Jordan Davis. But it also wouldn't shock me if someone nabs him. Uh, later in 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 the first round, but again, trying to come up with players if they don't pick what almost a, like if they if they don't do something really stupid and pick a quarterback or they don't do something like pick a defensive lineman, uh, or no, not not a defensive lineman, but a, but a, but an offensive lineman or wide receiver, which is almost everybody is predicting almost every mock draft you see. You got the quarterback, the QW crowd picking quarterbacks, and then you've got wide receiver and offensive lineman. Every once in a while you'll see a defensive lineman like a Jordan Davis or like a Wyatt uh, go for um, the Saints. So what I'm trying to do is try not to get blindsided. Like, who in the world, if there's a wide receiver run and the Saints don't get the receiver they want, and they say, okay, we're going to pick our receiver in the second round because we still like a lot of the receivers that are going to be there in the second round, um, or trade back and try to get one later in the first round if they can acquire, like, a late first-round pick or an earlier second-round pick, which I would be all for as well. But who would they pick? And uh, I think the other option to consider. So I think you need to, the answer to that question is Jordan Davis. You need to we need to consider them if he's there. Why, unless there are these character issues that they're talking about. And I think the other thing to think about is these these offensive linemen that are highly thought of but aren't necessarily tackles. Now I don't think they would do that. But I don't know that you could totally rule it out either. Because some of these guys are, have some versatility, guard and tackle perhaps. Or maybe they think, I think this guy could play tackle. Or he's a tackle and you think, you know what, I like this guy because he could play guard or tackle and give us some flexibility, versatility, which, which they always seem to value and most teams seem to value. Well, my mock draft I have Wyatt going twenty-three to the Cardinals. Uh I don't know. I might if I if if you hear any more about I might have to tweak that uh depending on if you start if you you know how seriously you take all these character issues. And we've seen guys drop before I mean we've seen it, you know, on draft day before our very eyes where you get a negative character report that comes out and guys just drop. Because again, I don't know that it just means that they think the player's terrible all all, all of a sudden. It's just that if you have a tie, if it's a tiebreaker, if it's close why go with the – I think a lot of teams say, well, let's just wait. If he drops to another round, maybe we'll consider him. But why take him here when we have him basically with the same draft grade as this other guy at a very similar position or the same position? so, um, Or another position of need. So very, very interesting just to keep an eye on who in the world they would take. I get – you know, Joey keeps saying linebacker. There's the guy Dean from Georgia, man. It's not hard when you go through this mock draft stuff. It's not very difficult at all to um to imagine why how Georgia won the national championship. Got all these defensive players. Man, they got defense they had defensive talent on that team. Unbelievable. But um linebacker and then they've got Lloyd from Utah. So I just can't imagine the Saints would pick a linebacker at 15 or or I mean at 16 or 19. I just I guess you can't ever say never, but that that would shock me. Would not shock. It never should shock any Saints fan when they pick a defensive lineman in the first round. We learned that again last year. But um never should. But I just don't think it's going to happen, but it would shock me. It's not that they're not good players. I mean, Dean looks like a good player. And I, I don't know that I've ever seen Lloyd play, but all the everything you read about him, people rave about him. So linebackers kind of become the new safety. Like safety used to be a position you just didn't draft very highly. And it's, some people still feel that way, but it's almost like linebacker is the new safety draft-wise. There's not a lot of people believe in picking them which is kind of ironic because me and a lot of other people are mocking Devin Lloyd to the Eagles, and the Eagles never pick a linebacker, which is kind of going against, you know, tradition. Kind of going against what history says, and normally I don't do that. But this is a situation where it just seems to make sense, and maybe it's time for them to change that a little bit. Of course, they'll probably just do what they always did, and we'll say, well, we shouldn't have done that. But, uh, but no, I guess linebacker could be the other one. I just don't know what else it would be. I just, I don't see them picking a safety in the first round. You know, some people are, have mocked them Brister from Penn State or Seen from Georgia in the second round, but I don't even think they'd get that far. Uh, I don't really expect those players to be there at 49. So um, I don't see a safety either. Of course, if 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 Lutz is hurt, I'd rather them pick a kicker in the first round than a quarterback. I mean, they they would help themselves more by picking a kicker in the first round if Lutz is hurt. If I knew Lutz wasn't going to play, they'd be better off picking a kicker in the first round than picking a quarterback in the first round. That I mean, I, they it would help their team more. It would give them a better chance to win. A quarterback. Please say that's not going to happen. All right. Time to take a timeout. We'll come back. Get the other subject having to do with the draft. We'll discuss that when we come back and also get to a little ULLSU preview for tonight's game at 630. We'll do that on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline, 706 0111. 706 0111. Want to remind you, Cajun Comic Relief. Man, it's a busy weekend. One of many things going on on Saturday at Angel Hall on the UL campus. Um, Cajun Comic Relief. Benefiting Cajun Navy Ground Force will feature such comedians and entertainers as Sam Joe Bear, Steve Shaw, and the raging Cajun John Morgan. Jeff Horschach, KDN News anchor, and our own RP3 Raymond Parsha III will, reser- will serve as the co MCs for this event. Tickets are $30 and can be purchased at eventbright.com. Cajun Comic Relief, Saturday at Angel.com. Hall. All right, the other issue I wanted to get to today having to do with the draft and explaining maybe partially why I uh, so many people think the Saints need to pick a wide receiver in the first round other than the fact that they couldn't hardly throw the football at times last year uh, with all the injuries they had is – and why I'm a little worried teams might be trading up ahead of the Saints to get some of these wide receivers, is if you just look at, like, what people are, the market value of these wide receivers are skyrocketing. I don't know why it's so much more than, like, offensive tackles. I mean, quarterbacks uh, and wide receivers right now, the contracts they're getting are crazy. The market value of a DK Metcalf is supposedly in the range of four years ninety seven million. the market value of a Debo Samuel four years ninety million. so it's costing you you know. First string quarterback money from like two or three years ago to get one of these elite receivers. Now, right now, sometimes some of these quarterbacks are getting up to 40 and 50 million now, but it wasn't that long ago. First string, really good quarterbacks are making around 30 million a year. And now some of these elite receivers are wanting to make 30 million a year. Or at least 20 plus. And so. On the flip side. Like last year for instance. Devontae Smith was picked 10th. He's on a four year $20 million deal. The 20th pick. Was Kadarius Tony. He's on a four year $13 million deal. So. Again, just to show you the difference, you're talking about $60, $70 million difference in drafting a, a rookie receiver that you'll have control of for at least three years, four years, and and trying to go out and, say, trade for a DK Metcalf whose market value is in the $90 to $100 million range. So that's why, I mean, there's many reasons why. Because one is just a pure talent level to upgrade on your team. But also, um, it's just more fiscally responsible to do it as for now because these wide receivers are getting out of hand. It, the, the The demands are getting out of hand. And it's like. If you have all this cap space and you want to go get an elite one, go get it. But if you don't have a ton of cap space, then you can't be throwing around 20-something million dollars for the Jarvis Landrys of the world. That's insanity. The Christian Kirks of the world, that's insanity. That's just throwing money away because you're just not going to get back what you need to get back for. And so the the if it's a neat area then the responsible, the, the, the most logical thing to do is to draft one that might even have more talent than those guys anyway. I mean, it's not much of a stretch to say that these top four or five receivers are more talented than Christian Kirk. More talented than, you know, are they more talented than DK, DK Metcalf or Debo Samuel? Maybe not. But if they're anywhere near in the same ballpark, it's a no-brainer. So, and you know what? The Chiefs basically said the same thing. They traded Tyreek Hill, who many people would say is among the top one or two or three biggest difference makers at wide receiver in the whole league. And they're like, I don't want to, we don't want to pay this guy 30 million dollars. We'll just go get one of these other ones. In other words, they're kind of saying what I say about quarterback about the wide receiver. And so, no, it makes total sense. And that's why I just I just can't see. It just doesn't make financial sense. It doesn't make talent sense. It doesn't make trying to win sense. It doesn't make draft talents and grade sense. It just doesn't make any sense at all for the Saints to pick a quarterback. Like none. I mean, it just would be so stupid. And I, I just I can't see it happening. But again, those reasons are are a lot to do with why I just I'm really worried that we're fooling ourselves like in my mock as it currently stands I don't have all them wide receivers picked but I don't have any trades in my mock I also think that it's theoretically possible that some of these receivers that You know, some of these teams out picking other positions could pick a receiver. But I think more possible that some teams are going to trade ahead of the Saints and get one or two of these receivers in addition to the two or three that already have mocked fairly early um, because of all the reasons we just said. Just makes sense. Scary. And then at that point, what do you do? Probably going to pick a defensive lineman because that's where the most, the best combination of need and value is. And you say, well, why do the Saints need a defensive lineman? Well, they don't need one right now, but a year from now, they may need one because a bunch of the multiple of their defensive linemen are going to become, their contracts are going to be coming up. And so that might be a need to maybe for now, but really to address it next year and to be in good position going into the salary cap situation next year. And so I hope they um, can figure out how to get all of that taken care of and not have to go that route. Because they'd be getting a really good player and most likely an upgrade. But not really in an area of need for this season. It would just be help a little bit more down the road. Who, man, this I'm telling you this draft is so complicated, so layered for so many reasons. Yeah, I, you know, that's why I'm saying it, it's it's gonna be tough to get through these next nine days, but we'll we'll try our best. All right, let's do this. Let's take a timeout. Give us a little more time than normal on the other side because we got a lot to discuss. We'll take that time out. We'll be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you about our great Festival International Prize Pack. Where you could win exclusive access to front row and stage seating, shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, pins, poster, all kind of great prizes. It's doing Festival International the right way. And the way that you could get eligible to win that great prize pack is to go to the website. Join the Rewards Club at either 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello.
4: Hey, good morning, Kev. Hello, sir. How are you today?
1: Oh, I'm trying to remain as calm as I can. Had a great Astro victory last night. Just trying to distract myself as much as I can so I don't get too uh, psycho about the draft.
4: Well, you're into single digits, like you said, yes. so it just gets easier and a little more fun because the useless mocks that we all love get a' little, as it gets- it's amazing how somebody can be a second round draft pick in everybody's mocks, and then a week before the mock, all of a sudden they jump into the first round you know it's it's amazing how I, I get amazed at how the pros the scouts can actually ignore four years of film and tape because the guys combine and how these guys can skyrocket up a board because they start rumoring about who's interested in who. I find it amusing sometimes. But, again, they get paid to do it for a living, and we're just armchair GMs. But, look, we I, I'm bumming. My, I have a buddy in New Orleans that's a drinking buddy with Sean Payton, and he used to get really juicy nuggets because Sean would Sean wouldn't volunteer info but Tuna was real good at probing and he he basically equates it to a tell. He could tell when he was a poker tell. He knew when he was on track with something because the way Sean would react when he'd ask about a particular person. And I've lost that insight. He was actually pretty pretty accurate over the years other than a few a Ruiz and guys like that but the, supposedly the quarterback that the Saints are interested in if they go quarterback is Ritter out of Cincinnati well a they lot of people are most, yeah
1: I mean he seems to be the trending one
4: he's, they think he's the most pro ready but uh they think that uh, 16 or 19 is probably going to be too high for him but he's a quarterback look the rumor mill that's going right now is the Texans. Wanting to trade and the Saints, that's that they they have a history of doing deals together. So that's the first thing. The first thing in a trade is you got to find a partner. Well, the Texans are at 13 and uh, want to trade back to 16 or 19. We could move up to 13 by just sacrificing our other third round pick. So if the Saints are interested and the guy that they believe it or not supposedly are targeting is Hamilton, the safety. If he falls to 13, and this is a top five player on most people's boards, but safeties just aren't a player of value, and few have gone in the first round over the years. But But, if Hamilton falls to 13. For a
1: third-round pick, that's hard to believe.
4: Well, it's uh it's that's that's what the board says that we can give up our 16th and a third rounder and move up uh three spots. We go from 16 to 13. That's not that's that's we could actually go from 19 to 13 with our third rounder if we add like a fifth or a seventh. So it's it's not that far out of the question and Houston actually wants to trade back cuz who they're targeting. The question is will Hamilton fall to to thirteen. Well, I don't. I, don't I think the Giants are gonna going to take number two to Detroit.
1: Yeah, I think the Giants are going to take Hamilton.
4: Uh, it's it's going to be that's going to be a fun thing to watch because uh, again, Vic Fangio's high safety scheme is really catching hold around the league, and we lost our guy, and then we lost Malcolm Jenkins, and really safeties now you really don't have a free and a strong safety there in, mo- in Fangio's system. They're kind of interchangeable. And the best safety by far in this draft is Hamilton. Somebody had called yesterday about seeing from Georgia, who would be great if we could trade down and get him. But supposedly the saints are quietly eyeballing Hamilton and waiting to see if he falls and that 13 spots, the target where they're hoping it happens. Cause honestly, I think you can get a really good receiver in round two. So they can get safety and offensive lineman and get a receiver in round two. And, I don't really care about our third round pick at that point if they've got Hamilton on board. Oh no, we got, got they the got to get
1: run. running back. I mean, I, if they don't sign a veteran running back, which I don't know that they're gonna, they got to get a running back. I mean, they have. Yeah, but
4: to. you can get a running back in yeah. the fourth or fifth. Run, again, running backs are running backs, Kevin. It's just uh, yeah, I mean, that's what they said be great about Tony. When we Jones. Figure out what the Kamara penalty is going to be. You know, that's that's the wild. They got to get a I running know. back.
1: Either I, I mean, I would prefer a veteran free agent, but. I don't know. I mean, if that doesn't happen, then they need to draft a running back.
4: Well, I mean, we still got Ingram on board. You, they just always hurt Washington. So, well, again, it's it's going to be fun to watch. But I, I hadn't really entertained the idea of Hamilton being a saint. I thought it was too far to trade up. I'd often hoped that Cross would fall to us. That isn't going to happen. And well, I, was, I don't I know.
1: I, I, I saw I saw my draft today that had the Saints passing on Cross.
4: Yeah, I just don't believe that. I think Cross uh, is going to be one of the first three ta- – I wouldn't be shocked if there are three offensive tackles taken in the first ten picks. That's it, it is – no, it, it's off.
1: it's certainly possible. In fact, I have it. I, all right, had the top. I got to go, Joey. Appreciate the call.
5: Love this stuff, brother. Later.
1: All right. We'll take a timeout. That's it for the first hour, another hour to follow. We'll talk Cajuns, Tiger baseball on the other side. Start the second hour on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: More. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote.
1: Welcome back to Footnote's Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can watch his simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706 0111. 706 0111. Obviously, you can uh, listen as we said to Cajuns versus Tigers baseball tonight at Alex Box Stadium. Right here on 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. And, you know, we've talked the midweek game and the importance or not important for a long time. The bottom line is this is a huge RPI week. Well, I don't know about huge, but a really good RPI week for the Cajuns potentially. Cajun's dropped five spots in the RPI by losing a game to Monroe over the weekend. Uh, They are now at 52 heading into the week. They were at 47. And, you know, it's a good RPI week because LSU, LSU's RPI is 34 going into the week. Uh, Georgia State's is 35. And so – You're going to play two top 35 RPI teams, four games at least scheduled anyway, this week, all on the road. Uh, You know, I don't, if they just go two and two, I don't think that's bad. Because understand, the Cajuns already have two wins over Georgia Southern, who, who currently has an RPI of seven, Georgia Southern. Their RPI is seven. Cajuns have two wins over them and really should have swept them. Uh, they have a win, and really should have had two, over Southern Miss, who has an RPI of 14. And then they also have wins over, like, Louisiana Tech, RPI of 42, two wins over South Alabama, RPI of 49. And, you know, and several of the other teams, Houston has, you know, in the top 100, several other wins over teams in the top hundred, including Irvine and and Houston. And then they still have a game a series later this year against Texas Tech who has an RPI currently of fifty three. So there's the whole RPI aspect of this. And then there is the um just the game matchup. Just the, the individual game for what it is. And uh, you know, um two teams do things fairly differently. Uh, LSU hits, you know, powerful bat. Their team batting average is 295. The Cajuns' team batting average is 258. LSU has scored 292 runs. The Cajuns have scored 195. I mean, LSU scores a lot more runs. Um, LSU has 74 doubles on the season. The Cajuns have 55. LSU has 57 home runs. The Cajuns have 28. LSU, the, the difference is the Cajuns are more of a speed team. The Cajuns have 79 stolen bases. LSU has 12. So they're an old school pound you with the bats. They don't run a lot. And as Bitter is instructed to us, they don't, they don't play a lot of defense all the time. Cajuns have had their own defensive issues at times. But it seems like of late their defense has been pretty good. So the Cajuns' midweek starts have not been that good. They've started a lot of Peyton Havard. He's really got hit hard. Uh, They have not announced that I know of the starter's going to be. I'm surprised if it's Havard again because he just really hasn't pitched very well. And so we'll see how – the starting pitching goes. It's it's you know a lot of times it's Johnny Holstaff in, in midweek games, and we'll see how that plays out. But again, it's it it when you're sitting as they were in the late 40s or in the early last week and early 50s this week, it is a you know it's not you say well it has nothing to do with the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt race is more important, and I could still listen to that argument. But again, this is a year where uh, some people are saying as many as three or four teams from the Sun Belt are going to get at-large bids. I mean, get into the NCAA tournament where two or three could be getting at-large bids depending on who who wins the conference tournament. So there's a lot riding RPI-wise and in- potential NCAA at-large bid-wise on this midweek game. All right, let's go to the um, back to the game hotline. Hello.
3: Kevin, Chad, what's going on?
1: How are you, sir?
3: Kevin, uh, when Joey called a little while ago, I, I, you've, been, you've kind of been on the, that same bandwagon as him as well. I've been off of it totally. I say go get a first-round receiver first round instead of waiting the second and third round. He said there's, there's, there's going to be receivers in the second round. Well, there's going to be linemen in the second and third round as well. I agree. Uh, these, these star receivers are going to be going the first round. Ru- Ruiz from Michigan, the, the, the lineman that we picked up last year, he, he's not no first round pick. I first
1: round talent? No, I, I, no, I get what you're saying. I, I think it's, I think it's just like the perfect storm is the new way of <laughs> saying it. When you look at what receivers are getting, and when you look at the talent level of the top four or five, depending on which ones they like, I don't know exactly which ones they have ranked higher than the other ones. I think, it, I think, I really, I'm for picking a receiver in the first round, and I, I, I'm for picking I, him first in the first round. I, uh, no, you I agree. You need
3: as much, you need as much help for Jamison as possible. I mean, we have. do we have a true second second guy behind Thomas? And Thomas, I don't even really trust. I mean, you got to get two more receivers.
1: No, I I, I would love for them <laughs> to come out of this draft with two more receivers. I agree.
3: You have to. Definitely one in the first round, if not the late second round or whatnot. But you have to have your first pick, a receiver, 100%. And I totally agree with you about running back. Uh, you can't wait to the fifth round to pick a good running back. Yeah, you can pick a running back, but is it going to be worth the crap? No. You need to get a. You need to get a running back the third, latest, or fourth round. That's
1: well. That's and again, I, I would. I wouldn't mind waiting if if I knew that forty one was going to play, but he might get suspended Absolutely. for half the season.
3: Absolutely, they got to get Sorry, a running back. I, yes, they got to I, get I 100% a hundred percent agree. But you don't wait to the fifth round to get a running back that's that's garbage to me that's go. I don't know I think your bet like like your receivers like I said your best backs are going to be going the third fourth round you can't get one in the fifth round that's going to be probably not going to make your team that's just my opinion man all, all right Jeff
1: all right thanks for the call uh if you have any um more thoughts on that or, or Cajun Baseball versus LSU, the game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. The other, obviously, good option for starting tonight for the Cajuns would be Cooper Rawls, and he had the great weekend the week before when they beat Louisiana Tech, Um, what was it, seven and two-third innings in relief, so, and remember, One of the things that Coach Deggs talked about was there were a couple players, pitchers, Cooper Rawls being one of them, Jeff Wilson being another one, that in his opinion, the way that they pitch works better against really good hitting teams with a lot of bat speed. In other words, if you're a team, the, the the off-speed stuff that they use and the approach that they have as pitchers, in his opinion, works better against teams with really good bat speed, more high-level hitting teams like an LSU. When they face a teams when they face teams that don't have nearly as much bat and speed. And are not what you would call high-level hitting teams, then that's the, the, what they do, kind of to pull the string or change things up, doesn't work as good against those teams because their bat speed's not as good. And we're just, you, you're not take you're not using, you're not able to use their bat speed ahead of them because they don't have plus bats against them. I should say because they don't have plus bat speed. So we'll see how that works out if Cooper Rawls is in that. You know, again, that would be. That would make sense. Cooper over – just has been struggling. I, I just can't see. You know, they had a lot of high hopes for him at the beginning, but we haven't seen a whole lot of that, evidence of that in his recent starts. And, in fact, the game that Rawls came in where he kind of got some national uh, player of the week recognition, he was replacing Havergess, who got like four outs and gave up way too many runs for, for just getting four outs. Um, at, well, they were down six to one, if I remember correctly, or five to one. It was, yeah, it was not. It was not a. It was another poor outing. So, again, we'll see that game tonight, and you can hear that game right here on the game one hundred three seven, Lafayette one hundred four one, Lake Charles. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how both teams play defense. If the Cajuns can create with their legs, which they've been doing. Again, if you notice the way Coach Deggs put it, he said he's not going to necessarily say that he has to out-hit LSU, but that hopefully they can create some things with their their legs, put pressure, maybe force some errors, or even if there's not errors, just put pressure on the defense and grab extra bases here and there. Whereas, you know, where they can kind of do what they did Sunday, which was not get a lot of hits. But, but take better advantage of their scoring opportunities. You know, the, the Astros even last night, they had an inning where they scored multiple runs, and they didn't hardly hit the, put the ball in the infield. They, they bunt it and moved runners and scored, you know, got one big hit and, and, and took advantage of their legs and the ability to bunt, not so much their legs with candy, but their ability to bunt. Um, Jeremy Pena bunted for a single and got the runner to third and got on him himself and then got around and and, and candy-bunning him home. So you can use the bunt without having to execute and getting a lot of hits or extra base hits. And, uh, you know, the Cajuns do an excellent job of that, especially when they really get going. So it'll be interesting to match up tonight just to see how all that plays out and if they're able to execute those things. You know, there's not a lot of history between the Cajuns and Coach Johnson, although he was – uh, the coach at Arizona, when was that? They came here for a regional. I believe he was 17 um, and won the regional here. And um, kind of some people thought overused some pitching arms, but, I mean, uh, that's beside the point. So there's that history, but wasn't a lot. But Coach Deggs, when he was at Sam Houston, played co- – co- whether it's Nevada or Arizona, Coach Johnson multiple times. So he might have a little bit more understanding of the way Coach Johnson coaches than a lot of um, longtime Cajun fans or, or coaches would have. So should be an interesting contest tonight. Again, 6.30 or around – when we say 6.30, it's normally 6.33, 6.34, whatever. Around 6.30 starting pitch tonight, Alex Box in, uh, in Baton Rouge, Cajun Tigers. And we'll see, looking forward to see how that matchup is going to play out. All right. We'll do this. We'll take a timeout when we come back. Shift gears a little bit to Cajun softball. Talk to our weekly conversation with Bobby Nova next on the game. 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
0: Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles. Want to remind you, want to remind you about a great giveaway, Mr. Lester's gift certificate. You could win a hundred and fifty dollar gift certificate to Mr. Lester's steakhouse, but you can't win this great prize unless you go to the website and join the game clubhouse by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right, we have with us. Weekly Tuesday ten fifteen ish segment guest Mr. Bobby Nova how are you sir I'm fine Kevin how are you bud Well we had two Yankee fans call yesterday and Yankees are off to a five and five start and they're both ready to throw in the towel and be done with the season uh, Where are you in that whole process I, I feel I don't
5: know Kevin you know it's just the same thing I've been seeing over the last five years or so. You know, it just you know Don Mattingly, one of my all-time favorite Yankees. He would have been released or traded or cut or you know because he only he only struck out the most he ever struck out in the season was forty-three times. So there's no way he could play for the Yankees. And uh, so I'm just seeing the same thing over and over and over again. You know, for the last four or five years. So it's, uh, the Yankee fan is discouraging.
1: My biggest concern from what, what I would think from looking outside, looking in. And again, I don't know nearly as much about the Yankees or what they do for on a day-to-day basis as you do, but their bullpen to me is not as scary as it was two years ago or three years ago.
5: Well, you know, early in the early games, their bullpen had looked really, really good. And then in the last, uh, Last week or so, not so good. And, um, you know, with the trip to South Alabama last week, I wasn't, wasn't really able to watch them a whole lot. And then on Sunday, you know, family crosses ball had the, had the game on, but really wasn't able to watch it, uh, you know, as closely as I normally would. And, uh, so looking forward to the game tonight, you know, gonna watch, gonna watch the Cajun softball at four and then, and then the Yankees after that, and gonna be able to focus a little bit more on the Yankees this week. But uh, like I said, the bullpen early in the year, and I you know I say early in the year, they've only played ten games. But in the first five games or so, kind of looked like it was gonna be a strength, and then uh, lately, not so much.
1: All right, let's get to Cajun softball. Uh, that you know, again, you were there and I wasn't, but just kind of following from from here that was a strange series obviously the first game did not go as i was expected i You know, I didn't didn't consider South Alabama a great hitting team, and I was shocked they came, just started hitting a bunch of home runs and scored seven runs, and it was great that the bats came through and were able to score ten runs. And 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 then they had a game two where you scored seven runs, even though it took a while, you only gave up one, and then you won two to one, which is more what I was expecting. Kind of a strange series to me. What did you see?
5: It was kind of, you know, I told Ian this off the air that, um, you know, it was kind of a backwards series. I would more be used to seeing a 10 to 7 game in the third game of a series than in the first game of a series. Right. And a 2 to 1 game in the first game, you know? So it was kind of backwards. And, you know, South Al had 22 home runs on the season coming in. And they hit five in that series, so yeah, that was a little bit strange. And you know, but that first night, the wind was blowing out. Of course, I think what the Cages only hit one in that game, if I'm not mistaken. But fortunately, the bats came to life, and we were able to get a win in that first game. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it was very strange.
1: Yeah, and you know, it was one of those. You love the result, but you don't. Totally love how you got to those results. And so that doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing long term, but, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. Obviously, they played, I don't know, what you'd call like a non game yesterday when you win 19 to nothing, in five innings. It's like, man, what, you know, what, what's going on here? But they're playing today, four o'clock at Illinois. What do you know about uh, these Big Ten teams? And, or what do you, you know, and, what are your expectations? It's just kind of strange playing Big Ten teams in softball, other than Michigan.
5: Yeah, two two good games. You know, two RPI good RPI games for the Cajuns today and tomorrow. And uh, you know, Illinois. I think they're twenty six and thirteen. They've they you know they hit I think three twenty two as a team. They've got a kid with nine home runs. They don't have a whole lot of power. They, I think they've only hit twenty five home runs on the season. And they've got one pitcher that's uh, I think eleven and four, but you know not sure if the Cajuns will see her today since they have a doubleheader against uh, Northwestern tomorrow, who's you know a conference opponent that's in the in the top ten. So not sure if we'll see. I think her last name's McQueen, if I'm not mistaken, and she's eleven and four. Seems to be her their best pitcher. She's thrown the most innings, and then Indiana. I think Indiana's twenty three and twelve. Got a little bit more power. I think they've hit forty five home runs. They have one kid that uh that has hit twelve home runs, in fact. And uh they don't seem to pitch as well as Illinois does. You know, their their team ERA is over four. That that kind of seems to be their weakness is is their pitching staff.
1: So you know, obviously, these would be two huge wins for RPI purposes, which you need. And, you know, look, I know the law. You, you lost some games to Texas you didn't want to lose, but you also got a win over Texas, and that Texas win is looking better and better after this weekend.
5: Yeah, you know, they got a big win against Oklahoma over the weekend, and, you know, the teams, the teams that you've beaten and the teams that you've played on your schedule early in the year, those are the the teams you need to win, you know. Uh, they need to win all their games, teams like LSU and and Alabama. And, of course, you know, those Alabama are going to win a bunch of games. And, you know, but the teams in the conference, like Texas State, who the Cajuns got two or three against, and, you know, uh, South Al and and, uh, and Troy, you know, the, as long as those teams keep winning, I think the Cajuns and uh, will be okay RPI-wise. Uh, as long as they keep winning. Also, you know, you kind of got those three, uh, you know, the three teams that were in the regionals last year, uh, along with the Cajuns from the Sunbelt, you played those three teams on three consecutive weekends and you won eight out of nine of those games and two of those series on the road. So, you know, if, if, if you'd have told me that before the season started, you know, I probably would have signed off on that. Although I'm a little bit disappointed. We, uh, we lost that one game to Texas State in the way that we did lose it, but you know, eight and win against those three teams—that's pretty good. With six of those games being on the road.
1: Again, we're speaking with Bobby Nova, Cajun softball, and again, the Cajuns. Originally, were going to play a doubleheader, but because they they announced a makeup game, big uh, conference game tomorrow, that was changed to a single game today at four, and then the Cajuns will play at four o'clock again tomorrow at Indiana, as Bobby said before, getting Thursday off and heading to Boone, beautiful Boone, North Carolina, to play a three-game conference series at Appalachian State. So, So, Bobby, right now where we stand what would still in your mind what would you say is still your biggest concern from here on out big picture wise that you're hoping to really get solidified over the next week or so for the Cajuns
5: um i think you know still the defense is a little bit a little bit shaky but since mayu has moved to second it's kind of solidified the defense uh, up the middle with Langleyers at short, Mayu at second, and 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 uh, Maddie Hayden in center field. So, you know, and then a little bit more consistency in the pitching, you know, pitching circle. Sam Landry uh, had been pitching really, really well, and then she struggled a little bit about at South Alabama. So, and I know she's a young kid, and uh, but like to like to see Sam just you know become a little bit more consistent. I'm, I'm not saying she's inconsistent because I mean she's leading the team, I think, with 13 wins. But uh like to see her be more consistent early in ball games. She seems to maybe struggle a little bit, you know, in the first couple of innings sometimes.
1: You know, big picture-wise, pitching, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, Megan's had some great outings and then had some outings that make you scratch your head. And Candor's probably been the most consistent, but that was expected. And you talked about Sam having, you know, a few rough outings here and there. But in terms of when you get into a regional, I think whoever that third pitching option is is probably going to be have more of a track record and have thrown more quality innings than the thir- any third pitcher going into a regional or a conference tournament that the Cajuns have had in a while, wouldn't you say?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. You know, when you got three pitchers that you know all of them are around eighty innings, so they haven't been overworked. You know, they—they, they, they, I think—I uh, think Sam's got the most innings, and she's like maybe at about 82. I, you know, I'm not—I'm just kind of guessing at the numbers right now. Right. So I'm not looking at them, but you know, uh, Kandra and 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 Charman at 78, 79 innings, and so you got three pitchers right around 80 innings, haven't been overworked. All of them can be, you know, effective for you, and that's huge going into a a 14 regional when you have three pitchers that can come in and and and, and you know be be effective against uh, regional teams you know especially you know the Cajuns look like they're going to be probably a 3 seed maybe a 2 seed and then you know so in that first game you you got some some mixing and matching that you could do and so uh I like I like the the, the pitching staff you know with the three pitchers that we have going into a regional Uh, all having pitched a lot of innings and having a lot of success this year.
1: What would you say if I said that my biggest concern going into a regional or even a conference tournament would be playing a team that can really run and put pressure on the defense with speed, kind of like the Cajuns are in a lot of their uh, game plans and strategies against certain teams?
5: You know, I didn't think of that earlier when you asked about one of my biggest concerns, but we've only thrown out three runners all season long. So that's definitely a concern. If you're going to play a team that runs a lot like, you know, Indiana tomorrow, they've got over 80 stolen bases on the season. You know, Illinois today, they don't run nearly as much as that. But, you know, if if you're going to face a team that runs a lot like that, that's definitely something that we need to be concerned about because, like I said, uh, we've only thrown out three base runners all season.
1: Now, is that a surprise? Because I don't remember that being that big of an issue when Sophie played a little bit last season and in and, and, and what I heard from the fall. I mean, is that a little bit of a surprise that that's been such a glaring issue? It, it is a little bit of surprise
5: and it's all not because of Sophie behind the plate. We've had some issues covering the bag at second base and Hopefully that's something that that's been corrected, but uh, you know earlier in the year I don't know if you remember that or not. We went through a stretch of games where we just had a really we had trouble covering the bag at second base, and you know I'm not sure if that was because Langley was out with the injury or, or whatever, but I'm sure that has something to do with the with the numbers there. You know,
1: it's gonna again we're 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 starting to sniff May. And there's still things that you're, you know, we've been. I remember going back the first two weeks that we did this. You were like, so many unanswered questions, and we're just gonna have to see how it played out. We have a much better idea, but there's still some things still being worked out. And yet, you look up and they're in first place. So, um, you know, some, you know, and some things are still heading in the right direction. So, look, at least you don't have to go. Uh, on a mountain this weekend, right?
5: I'm not going on a
1: mountain.
5: (laughs) I did look at Google, though. I did look at Boo's Boo's, beautiful Boone. You know, Steve, my buddy Steve Pelican told me, look, you you can go to Google and you can see how how beautiful the stop signs and all the mountains and the trees and everything is in Boone. So that's what I did.
1: So, So, yeah.
5: Not going up the mountain. And, uh, you know, uh, I I think because Glasgow has a – A pretty good idea of what he's going to do lineup wise for the rest of the season. You know, he's still, he's still kind of, uh, using those three outfielders on the corner, on the corner outfield positions, you know, with, uh, with, uh, Kramer Ustay and Caleb Falterman and Samantha Grader. But besides that, he he looks like he's kind of settled in on the, on the, uh, on the lineup that he's going to use.
1: All righty, sir. Well, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. And um, we'll see what happens uh, in this next week. Thank you, sir. All right, Kevin. All right. Thank
5: you. Thank you also. Bye.
1: Bobby Nova, we'll see what the Cajuns do on this road trip. And uh seem like they're starting to get some ducks in a row. But the pitching still and the defense still got to get a little more consistent. We'll see how that pl- plays out. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back with more on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one hundred four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh,
3: you're an idiot.
1: You know, what kind of safe fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen.
0: Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706 if you would like to get in. Now is a good time. We did our interview Um Weekly interview with Bobby Nova talking about Cajun softball. We'll see how that plays out. You know, we talked about RPIs with the uh, with baseball, and it's going to be very important. Cajuns have they need to get some wins. You know, that win over Monroe was the loss over Monroe was not good because they should have swept Monroe. Um you know there were some you know people saying that thinking it was going to be a little tougher than normal but the way the series played out no question they needed to um they needed to sweep that series from an rpi standpoint and so you know, I, it'd be nice to get at least two wins this week. Really, they 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 need at least two, and they can, if they can get three wins this week. That would be tremendous. But uh, you know, I was kind of thinking maybe they could go nine and zero in their in their home series. You know, they still got if they could have swept ULM, they would have had um, Troy and and UTA, um, and so you know, it's it's there's still room to make it up. And one of the ways you make up for they really have, like, three losses they probably shouldn't have. Should have beat Georgia Southern, didn't do it. Um, and they should have won this game against Monroe. They probably should have, could have, would have beaten Southern Miss. Uh, and there's one other one in there where the game that they should have won, maybe the Troy. But th- th- There was some, some late eighth, ninth inning collapse stuff that happened in some of these games that's still kind of nagging at them. And the way to make up for those is to – go on the road and beat an LSU or, you know, that kind of thing. and so. Or this weekend, if they can win two out of three at Georgia State, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. But if they do, that could really make up <coughs> for some of those losses that eh, they probably shouldn't have had if they had just done the right, you know, some basic defensive things and, and, and pitched a little better. So uh, we'll see if that can take place. And, again, that game tonight, 6.30, Alex Bach Stadium against the Tigers right here. You can hear it right here on 1037 Lafayette or 1041 Lake Charles. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin Foote. How are you, sir?
2: I am good, man. How you doing?
1: Oh, trying to hang in there. So I know you've seen a little bit of Cajun baseball. It seems like they're kind of turning the corner this year. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, I definitely agree, man. The bats are... The bats are starting to get rolling, and you know you got a guy like Rockaforte and Robertson, those guys. And you know if they get hot, uh, they 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 hit at the right time. And you know pitching's been pretty steady, so uh, they've been fun to watch, man. I think they're playing well at the right time.
1: On the high school level, you have a pretty good baseball team. An ascension of Episcopal following them, and you know they've had they they play a a lot of really good teams, had some great wins and and some losses here and there. Uh, What do you look at at the prospects of of the Blue Gators from here on out?
2: Yeah, Coach Lonnie has another really good team. Um, Good pitching. We we added a right hander uh, this year who transferred in. One of our new administrators, Keith Rice. Um, who we hired, brought a son in who's a, a pretty good pitcher, and uh, you know Austin Mills at Shard, Blaze Blanchard in center, um, Carter Bro and a lot of those guys. Uh, definitely, you know district champions beat Loraville, which was a big win, beat Catholic High. Um, so having a good year, man. And again, Blue Gators are also playing well at the right time. So,
1: um, going looking into to next year, how different? or the, is the new district alignment going to affect your sports, do you think, for your school?
2: I, for my school, I don't think it's – I mean, we lose Generet and we're adding ARCA, um, you know, the new Renaissance Academy right down the road. Um, so I don't think it will affect us much um, over the next couple of years. I think we'll be uh, competitive in, in, in all of our sports um, and adding ARCA, you know, a little different dynamic there. Um with the charter school right down the road, but they're going to be coming in as a two A school already. So, um, dropping down to one a, so we'll have the normal, uh, you know, the normal group, I think at the top of the district with us and Catholic high and Lorville, who's been improved over the last couple of years in and in a couple of sports. And, um, I don't think it'll affect us much. I'm actually out at the golf course right now, but, um, our golf team defending state champions and playing, uh, playing in the regional tournament out at Le Triomphe. So, you know, we've got three college commits on this team already. Uh, so they're fun to watch. So a lot going on here in the spring.
1: What about, though, at a, as, at a statewide level? How did the reclassification, have you had a chance to kind like what what, what kind of, because uh, I know for one, you know, you have, you know, some there's some big schools like LCA has moved up to different levels. So from a, from, from a statewide level, how, how has it changed? For the better or about the same, you think?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's for the better. You know, LCA is gonna go up and, and play with the big boys. They've got the talent to do that and the incoming uh classes that they have, um, they're choosing to do that. So I think it'll kinda of open it up a little bit for, for somebody else, some other schools to, to, to get in there and to, to make runs at state championships. But um, you know, we're always in the thick of things and in, in in a lot of our sports and, and, and competing for district championships, trying to hang banners um, and then on to the playoffs. So yeah, I think we'll have uh, just as good a chance as anybody, and I think it's, it's going to be wide open.
1: All right, so I know it's a holiday, so you probably um, have a camp if I know you well.
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to start tomorrow out in Youngsville at the Sugar Mill Pond campus, and we, go, uh, we start at 9 o'clock. But if they're not registered, you can walk up and register them around 830. We'll get them all set and ready to go. we got grades, uh, young ones, pre-K all the way up to eighth grade. And uh, like I said, it is in Youngsville. And we're going to go uh, 9 to 1230, but you can bring them at 830. Boys and girls, welcome. Bring them at 830 uh, for a little walk-up registration. We'll go over all the fundamentals. We'll try to teach them how to play the right way. And then, of course, we'll have, uh, we'll have all the competitions. We'll give away some prizes and then we'll play a little three-on-three and five-on-five and, and let them get better, get them out of the house, put the phones down, come play a little basketball.
1: Call. so you don't have anybody on these camps looking at their phones during drills?
2: Well, to tell you the truth, I've had that happen before. Some of the <laughs> older ones, you know, they have their phones with them, and boy, they can't put it down for very long. But we, try to, we try to have them put it up while they're competing, but uh, they'll sneak off and, and, and get to it every now and
1: then. <laughs> all, <laughs> all right,
2: it is today, right? But,
1: uh, uh, it's, it's 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 insanity. All right, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, you calling all uh, as always. Thank you, sir.
2: You got a foot. We'll talk later.
1: All right, that was Eric Mouton. Okay, let's do this. Let's take a timeout when we come back. I meant to get to the NBA earlier, and we just didn't get to it. We'll do that when we come. uh, There's a team that just amazes me, just absolutely amazes me, and they're hard to figure out, and yet they're not hard to figure out because they seem to do the same thing all the time. We'll talk about that when we come back after this timeout on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 104-1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station
0: time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history april 19th 1960 for the first time in baseball history uniforms begin displaying players names on their backs the chicago white Sox are the first to do this in the mlb by putting names on their road uniforms that was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back. To footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. I want to remind you about Trash Bash if you would like to help clean up Lafayette Parish. Community cleanup presented by the Environmental Quality Division of the Lafayette Consolidated Government and the Bayou Vermilion District, scheduled for Saturday. As I said, a lot scheduled, a lot going on Saturday. Busy, busy weekend. Residents of all ages are invited to volunteer and participate in cleaning up. Litter for Streets, Parks, and Bayou Vermilion District. Anyone can volunteer. If you would like to participate, simply register by calling 291-5637. That's Pat Swilling, Benny, Benny Thompson, 291-5637, or by emailing recycling at LafayetteLA.gov. All right. The NBA last night. You know, we talked about it yesterday. The Utah Jazz are a team that – no one gives a chance outside of the Utah because they have a history of just not getting it done in the postseason. They're playing against a Dallas Mavericks team that is playing without their best player in Luka. And so this was a great opportunity. Normally, if you're the lower seed and you and you play games one and two on the road, which is typical – And if you win one of the two games, then you feel great. But when you're Utah and you're playing against Dallas, who's playing what's out, not just its best player, but one of the probably top four or five players in the league right now, you really need to win both because he might come back and then that gives them all the momentum. So this one's a different scenario. So what do they do? They let Brunson score a career-high 41 points. They hit like 22 threes. Now, some of that you can say, well, that's just bad luck that they just got that hot. But you just, man, Utah just can't get out of its own way. I mean, nor- again, like I said, normally if you're the lower seed and you and you steal, quote, steal one out of two on the road, you feel great. But if I'm a Utah fan, and I don't know that I know any, but if I'm a Utah fan or just sometimes I just hope that they win – just because no one gives them any chance at all. And I love when the national opinion is wrong, is proven wrong most of the case, unless it impacts, you know, one of my teams negatively. But I don't know. Poor poor Jazz. They just can't get out of their own way. Golden State is another team that um is looking really good. But again, they're playing a Nuggets team that um is shorthanded and I don't know how good Denver really is. Uh, but one thing that was said yesterday is that, I think it was Jules that brought it up, that he read or heard something that someone say something about how no one does thing. you know, everybody's kind of copycatters and does the same thing that everyone else does. I think there are some exceptions to that. And, and Golden State is one of them. They play basketball a little differently than everybody else. They don't exactly play like everybody else. And then on the baseball side, you have the Rays, who are struggling right now, early on, by the way. But uh, the Rays do things very differently than just about anybody else in baseball. And you watch a team like the, um, you watch a team like the Royals. They they play, you know, they run. The Royals are more like uh, like the Cajuns play in baseball. They do a lot of running. They use their speed. They bunt and they. They, they find ways to put pressure on you without playing the three-run home run game that so many teams play like the Yankees play. So, you know, I do think there are some exceptions, and and just about any statement you make, there are exceptions. But there are there are some teams that do things a little differently than everybody else. And, um, you know, I think in some ways the Saints are because everybody's about quarterbacks and QW and you got to have all these fancy offenses. And uh, I think the Saints are are hoping to have some success this year. if They can stay reasonably healthy doing things pretty differently than just about everybody else is doing them, I and we'll see how all that plays out. But, uh, you know, the Sixers, everyone was saying watch out for the Raptors and watch them sweep the Raptors. It's, it's kind of headed that direction. We'll see. But the Raptors are got some injuries now, and so probably that series is going to be nothing when a lot of basketball – Experts were saying that that was the one that was going to be an upset. So I guess that's why they played a game. All right, appreciate all the phone calls. And Bobby coming on, as always. That'll do it for today's program. Tomorrow will be 8. That'll be nice. Y'all have a nice day.